0: Okay, <clears throat> so I need to get into character. Yeah. Here, we <clears throat> <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I'm beyond excitement to introduce Dr. <laughs> Connor Matthews Shorten <laughs> to his own podcast today. <laughs> <The> <laughs> podcast. But we're going to talk about something very exciting. But before we do that, Congratulations, because as people heard from the introduction, you're now officially a doctor. So well done. And we're going to talk about something super exciting. And normally, of course, you interview people on the podcast, but you've been l- driving this, the work behind this. So it would be makes more sense, of course, to interview you about what you've been working on. And and, and by way of introduction, uh, before I'll hand it to you, is we've, of course, seen a lot of opportunity with vector databases and large language models. Where people generate something and they want to store that back into the database to search through and um, we've kind of you know call that like generative feedback loops and I would love to get a little bit of your understanding, uh, Connor, as an introduction to everybody watching uh, what are generative feedback loops? Yeah, thanks so much, Bob, for
1: the introduction and for having me on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> for
0: having you on your own podcast, yeah
1: yeah, I guess, um, I kind of, so we have, for everyone listening, we have a great uh, tour of concepts to explain this generative feedback loop thing. And the general, I think kind of a great tour would be to kind of do like how, you know, they have that like levels of abstraction, explain it to me like I'm five, then I'm in high school, college, technical expert. And so I'd say kind of the, the introduction thing is about how we are prompting language models by putting your custom data into the prompt. So you ask it a question like, uh, You know, what kind of what's Bob's favorite flavor of ice cream, and then instead of just having the language model rely on the knowledge, it's learned from language modeling the internet, you retrieve information about Bob, and then this is the prompt that goes to the language model. So that's been kind of the foundation of this, uh, this kind of like retrieval augmented generation has been huge. And so now what we're looking at is Firstly, just continuing to explore that all sorts of data sources that you can prompt and like, how are we going to be mixing these prompts and having these local memories? There's so much innovation happening in that we've seen all these tools like LangChain, Llama Index, AutoGPT, baby AGI, I can just go on and on about all these things. in And so, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so maybe let me pass it back to you, Bob, uh, like uh, doing kind of the highest level description of generative feedback loops, uh, like, how would you kind of summarize it quickly?
0: Yeah, so um, it, it's very much aligned also with with what you were saying. So how I see it is that the um, uh, the first thing that we saw the opportunity with vector databases, if you purely look at text now, so let's park other media types, purely text that we saw that we could actually change Something that we had not stored in the database, we could use it on query time. So the example we've always been using, or at least I've always been using, was if I store the data object, um, the Eiffel Tower is in Paris, mm-hmm. we could retrieve that by searching for landmarks in France. And that was always so. If we have like the document, had the database itself, or the that data object is stored, then we had like on query time this this new opportunity with vector databases. But with generative search, I see it as like we're now also doing something with the output. So we can say, show me landmarks in France and represent them as if they were a Facebook ad. Mm -hmm. So it takes out the data object and it it then generates something from that. And that can be interesting in itself, but I think it even becomes more interesting. And that's also something, of course, you're going to also show us in a bit that we loop that back into the database. Because the exciting thing about this is, in my opinion, is that we now can store uh, uh, um, information back in the database which, that we can factorize again, that was not stored, um, uh, that was not in the original um, uh, data set. And I, I have a question uh, for you. So one thing that people often, um, uh, um, you know, one, one critique that people sometimes have from these generative models is, of course, the hallucination. Um, uh, so I mean, if it's correct, it's amazing, but sometimes if it's wrong, then it's like, well, less than amazing. And sometimes people argue that this prompt injection basically, so that we get the data object from the uh, from the vector database and we eject it inject it in the model um uh, that that that's a way to overcoming hallucination or a way for people, Um, uh, to inject data in the model where, um, you know, on data that it can't be trained on or that it wasn't trained on. And what I mean with can't be trained on, I mean because, of course, Mm -hmm. technically speaking, you could train on everything, but maybe like legal documents or something that you have, it might be difficult to just throw that in the open to be trained on. I'm I'm curious how you see that. Would it be fair to say that this is a way in helping to overcome uh, a hallucination or would that be a stretch? Yeah, that's uh, such an interesting topic is the hallucination when you do
1: the prompt injection, is it going to hallucinate? And so I would, I'd firstly point people to a couple of resources that I'm then going to summarize. But mm-hmm. um, so uh, john Schulman did a talk at UC Berkeley on uh, the late, that's the latest update on reinforcement learning from human feedback about, uh, you know, making reducing hallucination with that optimization strategy can't recommend that enough. I was also at uh haystack last week and Colin Nash did this awesome overview of all these generative feedback, uh, sorry, of uh, hallucination, the cases of how it occurs. And yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, you can, there's obviously the prompting thing where you just kind of tell it, please don't make anything up, right? (laughs) Just explicitly saying that. Uh. (laughs) And then I I really like kind of ideas around like the natural language inference thing where you have the context and the generated and you're uh, using these models that classify entailment or contradiction. I think that's a potentially promising way to you know, filter it out, but um, it does. I, I from the start, I uh, I might be going a bit off, but I, I had this conversation with Nathan Lampert from uh, uh, Hugging Face about about this kind of thing where I was like, how great would it be if the RLHF objective was don't hallucinate directly, not not just be useful, but you could just make make it like that. And so, so I think there'll be mm. I think the I think the optimization task will 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 figure that out. Yeah, what
0: do, you, what do you think? can you talk? Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about that? So how, how would that, what would that look like? How would that, how might that potentially work? What, what are the, what are the ideas there? How's that? Yeah.
1: So right now the, the general thing is, uh, just, um, you know, like, did you enjoy this answer? Right. Like that's the signal and, you know, it's reinforcement learning train, I think, uh, uh, yeah. And to maybe do the ELI, ELI five thing, like, um, these aren't quite language models anymore. They, they're pre-trained by predicting the masked out tokens, but now they're fine-tuned with reinforcement learning. And the key thing to, the key difference there is that in reinforcement learning, you make several decisions and then receive a sparse reward. So, the, you know, the language model, each token it generates is like a decision. And it, it with the mass language modeling, it receives feedback for each decision because there's like truth to it. But whereas with the mm-hmm. reinforcement learning, you generate like, you know, 400 tokens and then receive the reward. So. If you just change that objective to did you generally enjoy this answer to did you hallucinate anything from the context and you annotate a large enough data set i think it's extremely likely that that helps a lot and and yeah there's i mean it's such an interesting thing how i i love those pictures where it's like uh uh it's explaining the language model where it's like this giant monster and then there's like a mask on the front of it (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly yeah. <laughs> i i think that's actually that's interesting that you're saying that because the um um uh, to stay with that metaphor it's the of the of the of the monster right so the um i something that i how i personally think about that sometimes is like when we look at like doing prompt injection through the database is that we basically can say we want to use the generative lm for its language understanding um, but we don't want it for its knowledge and I I have a practical example and and to stay with the with the um, the monster example it's like we want so the monster is probably very strong and very big so we want it for its muscles and we want it for its strength but we just want it to do what we want (laughs) basically so um, uh, so the example that I that I sometimes give is that for a a simple so to stick with that Eiffel Towers in Paris example that uh, you might store a document in the database that you factorize that says something like, the Eiffel Tower always has been in Paris, but it's moved by truck to Barcelona, making making this up, right? And uh, so you could factorize that and you could store that. So now if you have the the, 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 the query, um, where's the Eiffel Tower, it will return that document first that says that it's moved to uh, Barcelona. You can... F- Feedback, you can, sorry, you can loop that into the LLM and say like, okay, where's the Eiffel Tower? We're trying to get the question, where's the Eiffel Tower uh, answered, but you must base it on the information we're giving you right now. Mm-hmm. And then the LLM uh, responds like, okay, it you know, maybe something like, hey, it was always in Paris, but now it's moved to Barcelona by truck, something like that. And that is kind of where we want to get, so that we use it for its uh, for its language understanding, but not per se for its for the for the knowledge. And it's interesting as eh? so the experiments we see with, like you know the the role of of the uh, the temperature and those kind of things in the um uh, those kind of settings in in figuring that out. Mm-hmm. But I think it's it's super super interesting. But but before we before we dive into an example, so. Could you so because now we went from the query to like the database to like output. What so what would the the, could you explain like to listeners what the what the feedback loop would be. So how would the feedback loop be closed basically? What what's happening after it the, the the information comes out of the generative LLM. Yeah, amazing.
1: And so I think that was a good quick introduction to the retrieval augmented generation. And so now Mm -hmm. we're now we're taking the next step where we're talking about the title of the podcast, the generative feedback loops, which is (laughs) where so we're going to take the data and we're going to generate something and we're going to save it to the database that because then we can access that for future generations, we can search through that it, you know, we want to save it. It's like our data that we're using. So So yeah, I think, I hopefully think that the example probably, I kind of like this example, so why don't we dive in? Yeah, let's go. (laughs) Hey everyone, welcome to the WeVA generative feedback loop tutorial using a data set of Airbnb listings. We're gonna be illustrating the concept of generative feedback loops, where we take data from the vector database to inject into the prompt of a large language model, and then we'll save the resulting generation back into the database, to use for future prompt injections, or generally whatever we w- might want to do with this generated data. Say it's a summary of a podcast, or in this case, a description of an Airbnb listing. So let's dive right into it. So uh, firstly, all the code for this can be found in WeV8 slash generative feedback loops. In addition to this Python notebook, uh, we also have TypeScript examples of how to do this. So uh, firstly, we'll install the Weav8 client with pip install weviate client. And then as a, a bonus part of this, we're gonna be showing weviate embedded. So, Weaviate has recently uh, released VV8 Embedded, where you, you no longer need to stand up a server to connect to Weaviate. You can now run this uh, right inside of your Jupyter Notebook, which is super convenient for you know Python developers looking to quickly get a sense of, of how to use Weaviate before necessarily, say, putting a database into production and all that kind of stuff. So uh, one other quick detail is in this tutorial, we'll be using the OpenAI, uh, the OpenAI large language models. You, you can also use the Cohere uh, language models and uh, this repository will also contain a notebook with the uh, cohere generations as well uh, so if at any point you want to see which modules are running on your Weaviate instance you can just do uh, the client.getMeta meta and you'll see the enabled modules and uh, links to the documentation of where to learn more about them so the embedded module is going to come with default these uh these kind of generative search uh, OpenAI, uh, the text evac hugging face and all these kind of things Uh, so first we're going to be loading our airbnb data so this is a csv file of airbnb listings uh, that we found on kaggle and uh, so you know pretty standard python stuff to you know use the pandas library to read the csv replace um you know null or infinite or nan values and then just uh, convert it to a list of dictionaries so with this list of dictionaries the first entry you know we have these keys for different values the id of the property the name a quick description of is is name and then uh, you, know, you got the host name who's hosting this airbnb you know what, what neighborhood it is more particularly so kensington is a particular neighborhood of brooklyn and then uh you know other things about Airbnbs like what type of room it is you know the price you can imagine all these features like you know does it have a pool uh, all that bedrooms bathrooms square feet all these kind of features that describe an airbnb so here's the first thing that is so interesting to me is that as of right now, it would be very hard to just take these kind of tabular symbolic features and pipeline that into semantic search. I used to have this recommendation that the best way to do this would be to do some kind of tabular to text translation where you have like feature name equals feature value, you know, the next feature. So it'd be like ID equals twenty five thirty nine, name, equals client and uh, clean and quiet, sorry, apartment, home by the park. And so that would be the text string that you would embed and try to search with. But what you're going to see with generative feedback loops is we're going to sync this up into a written description that contains all this information and then by putting it back into the vector search database you can search through the different airbnbs in a much more uh, natural way using semantic search so let's continue on the kind of how do you do this with WeV8. Uh so so this is how you create schemas in Weaviate using the python client particularly so y- you open up the classes because Weaviate has a a class schema where you know, classes are like tables in a database where you could define more than one class basically and you can link the the classes to each other with cross-references, which is you know similar to like how most database systems have like a key adjoining system. So uh, we define the class as listing, we give a short description of the class, and then we're gonna be configurating the modules to use on this class. So the module configuration, particularly, is that you set in the schema is the vectorizer. So, say this is going to be vectorized with ref to vec, or you know, that kind of thing. But this is going to be uh, vectorized with the text to vec OpenAI embedding model. So, uh, then you just kind of tell it, uh, you know, which which properties you want to vectorize with the skip parameter on each individual property. But we'll get into that. So, uh, then, so vector index type, we're going to be using hnsw for this, and then the yeah, the vectorizer is what we define in the module config. Uh, so, so then what we have is we define a list of properties with each property being, you know, like a attribute of the database table. So this is our description. This is what we're going to be generating and saving into. This is the, you know, the description of the apartment listing that will be written by the large language model, the product of our generative feedback loop. Uh, so then we have all these other features that we use to describe the Airbnb. So you can also see how we have a mix of, uh, text features as well as number features and <laughs> please ignore that this is written as string because this should this should say text but anyways uh, cool so so then at the end of this we you know we create the schema like this and then we're going to be importing the data into Weaviate. so we're just going to be uh you know looping through that uh that data list that we had imported with our you know our pandas read csv then df2 records save that in this data list so you know, we just we configure the batch imports. Uh, then we just loop through this. We're only going to do the first hundred, and yeah, we just copy the keys, get the valid UUID because you know this is a database, and then we just add it to the batch, and it you know puts it into All All right. So now that our data is in V8, we can do a, a simple GET query. This is this is the client syntax. So uh, maybe you know listeners out there have seen the weve8 GraphQL console and you've seen these um, GraphQL queries, but each of the clients they also have kind of a querying language like this. So you do get listing and then you know, the property that you want to have, and then you can append on these you know, filters like dot with near text or like dot with hybrid, dot with limit, dot with where. So so that's kind of like what this syntax looks like with the Python client. Uh, cool. So then we're gonna add another class, which is gonna be our advertisements. So we're gonna be from the descriptions, writing advertisements, and then generative feedback loop, saving that back in the database. So, we also create, so this is how you create uh, another uh, schema to add to the database, to add to Weaviate. And then we're gonna add another property with this cross-reference from uh, Airbnb listing to advertisement and the named references has add. So we just use this to create that uh, that new property from listing to the advertisement. So now the most exciting part of our uh, tutorial we're going to be generating the description, the Airbnb description. So what we do is we have this, uh, syntax where we have these curly brackets, which is where we put in the property value. So, you know, with each of these prompts that go into the language model, you'll replace the curly brackets with whatever the feature value is. And this is how you prompt it to the language model. So, so this is kind of what I was talking about earlier, where, where you would represent your data with some way like this to search through instead of doing this generated thing, which, is I think a really exciting way to unify the most of the data, which is tabular organized data with this new semantic search technology. But so here's more into the syntax. So we, we have these generate properties that we pipe in by doing, you know, with generate. We give it our prompt and then we, uh, and then we, um, also give it, oh, sorry. So we already gave it the properties within here because it's already a list. So usually it'd be like a list with the, with the properties. So cool so we also get the out because we're going to need to take this id in order to uh, to add this new property back to its source so by taking the id we can then key value the id to the new description uh, so then we loop through these descriptions uh, we have the new property which is the dictionary of what we're going to be updating so then we take that id out from uh, the underscore additional id which we got from here and then we do client a data object at update the new property the class name and then this id that the description was sourced from so now we're going to see our resulting generated description so first we're going to insert description back into this generate properties as we use this syntax of you know class name and then the properties you want to see uh, so we'll just see the first one so uh, we take all these properties from the availability of the room the neighborhood it's in the short description of it the price of it and we write this uh, in the large language model writes this description this private room is located in the Flatbush neighborhood of Brooklyn, offering a unique country space in the heart of the city with a price of $150 per night, so, so on. So <laughs> I think I think you get the idea, but like, so this is the generated description that we've saved back into the database. So now let's say we want to query the description. So we dot get listing description is what we're searching uh, what we want to return and then dot with near text. So this is how we do our vector search with concepts being the name of the argument and then Airbnb near a place to walk my dog. So what this means is we're going to take this, this phrase Airbnb near a place to walk my dog, transform that into a vector that captures the semantics of this sentence or this phrase. And then we're going to search for the semantic similarity between this and then all of the generated descriptions we've done for all of the Airbnb listings to try to find you the best place to, uh, to walk your dog. So you see the results of that and how that lets you search through these Airbnbs with queries, like, you know, two bedrooms, hot tub, or just whatever kind of casual language you want to use to describe the ideal airbnb for you and in the future we can imagine all sorts of things from images and videos and just the, kind of the mind-blowing implications of this kind of technology as it continues to develop so now let's let's keep generating stuff now let's generate an advertisement so the prompt is now going to be please write an engaging advertisement for the following airbnb listing description and then we're going to pipe again generative feedback loop we're going to take that data that we saved in the database and we're going to send it again as input to the large language model. And then we're going to again, save that result back to the database. So again, this is how we do our, uh, generate query, visualize the first ad. And then again, we're going to loop through the ads and we're going to take that, uh, in this case, we're, we're creating novel ad objects. So we don't need the referencing, uh, ID. Oh, we need the referencing ID for the cross reference. So we, you know, we'll generate an, a random UUID for the advertisement object but then we'll keep the UUID, which was the source of the description that generated this ad to use, to link to this ad with the cross-reference between the classes or tables, if you, if you want to think about it that way. So now we'll be looking at the, at a quick thing of how to use this cross-reference syntax when you're querying WeVA. So first we're going to set this where filter on the path. So we're searching through the Airbnb listings and we're going to add this filter where, where the listing has greater than or equal to one advertisement. And then we're going to see the description of the listing and then has ad. And then now the cross-reference takes us to the referenced ad. And then now that we're in the ad, uh, class, similarly to this, we take the content property out of it. Uh, so we see how the description, uh, this private room is located in the Flatbush neighborhood of Brooklyn. And then we have the advertisement and the advertisement is, escape the hustle and bustle of the city and step into your own private country oasis in the heart of Brooklyn's Flatbush neighborhood. So we see how we use this description that we originally had generated and saved in our database. And now we're going to put that into the language model and then feed it back into the database now with this advertisement. So now let's go into targeting advertisements. So first we can imagine some generic ad targeting. We add a text property target and we add that property to our database on the ads. And now we have these targets, say young couples, elderly couples, single travelers, and the generate prompt then becomes, please write an engaging advertisement for the following Airbnb listing description. And then we prompt inject the description, and then please write the advertisement for this listing to target. And then, you know, the target, which is another property that we now have, but uh, in this case, I just put it in this list, but you, you could retrieve it however you want to do it. Uh, so so similarly, we generate it. you know we we use the UUID to then link the new uh, the new advertisement to the uh, referencing uh, li- the referencee or the referencer listing. Uh, so then we're gonna look at this um you know, as a single traveler. so so this ad writes attention all solo travelers. are you looking for a cozy and affordable place to stay in the heart of Brooklyn and then, you know make your solo trip to Brooklyn unforgettable things like this. so so now let's kind of think a little more about all the different data sources that we can grab from to prompt these language models to write more, more targeted advertisements for these listings, or maybe even advertisement, because advertisements sound so kind of like spammy in the past, but now what we're seeing is customized descriptions for you. So is it's not written just to be salesy, but it's written to tailor to your interests. And hopefully this will be more clear as we look at it a bit more. So now we're gonna add another class to the database, user. And then in the user, we're gonna have a biography for the user and the person's name. So we have two users in our database, Connor. Connor often travels with a golden doodle named Bowen. And Bob, Bob is a prolific weightlifter who will get upset if he doesn't have a good gym to work out in. So now what we're gonna be doing is we, uh, so we import our users into the database and we see that they're in there. Uh, We're gonna add this, uh, we're gonna add a, user target for the advertisement so each advertisement that we write a user target ad for we're going to uh, add a cross reference for that and the interesting thing about that is that we might not want to write one for all of the users you know we might want to be clever with the way we do it and things like that so cool so now we change the prompt to similarly to how do we how we had that generic target now we're going to have the target the following user and then we're going to pass in the user biography that we had used by uh, doing users equals client.query.get user biography with additional ID, because we're going to need this to do the cross-reference later. And then we get the data this way. So now after we've added all the data, we query it and we'll see some of our, our resulting advertisements, attention all weightlifters. Are you planning a trip to New York city and need a place to stay that won't compromise your workout routine? <laughs> so that's an, an advertisement for Bob. Uh, And then for Connor, you have, attention all pet lovers, are you looking for a pet-friendly accommodation in the heart of New York City? Look no further than the village of Harlem. So (laughs) you can see how, you know, I hope that from this you can start to get a sense of all the things that we can do with, with this kind of idea of generative feedback loops, all the different data sources we can use, the kind of compounding effect of saving this data back into the database. And so with that said, let's jump back into the podcast.
0: Oh, that was a very that was very interesting to see that Airbnb example, um, uh, uh, Connor, and that makes a lot of sense. So, just to quickly recap, what we're basically seeing here is that we're adding a data set without any descriptions to the database, but because we generate the description and feedback loop that in, it creates a vector representation, and now we can do semantic search. Over these, um, uh, these descriptions, that is, that is correct, right?
1: Yeah, and so yeah, I, I would love to start on that example of now you have something you can search through. and so to tell a quick story, when I was, um, when I gave the talk at ODSC London last year, I was, um, you know I was trying to think about presenting vector search for data scientists, people who are doing analytical queries with mostly most like tabular symbolic data, and you know they're thinking, how do I uh, use semantic search on this kind of data? And my advice for that used to be maybe you could translate it to text by just prompting it with like feature name equals value, feature name equals value and so on. But now what we just Mm -hmm. saw with the Airbnb is it took all these properties from price, you know, minimum nights you have to stay at the Airbnb, what neighborhood it's in and and it synced it up into a description. Then now you have something that you can search with text. And so I think that angle of turning tabular data unlocking that with semantic search by putting it into the generative model and producing this kind of thing that is one of my favorite artifacts of the example but something i really want to dive into next bob is this um just this concept of you know bob is a gym rat and he's always got to be in the gym
0: No but that is exciting right because we're getting to a we're getting to a um um a situation where the um um where we basically we're just getting to real time uh, um a uh, personalization of data which is just if you think about it, it's like every i mean with the first generation of like um uh, for example reading newspapers We had, uh, 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 you know, the the newspaper was a day old. That's now through the internet became real time. But we're now getting to a situation where it gets optimized. Something that I'm in in line with is what I'm I'm excited about is the, um, you could even go, let's say that you have a news article, right? And there might be, uh, you gave earlier during the podcast, you gave this, you said like, you know, explain to me like I'm five year old of like, explain it to me like I'm an expert. Mm. So a, a a journalist could write something only focusing on experts, only focusing on experts. But then, real time, if somebody says like, "Hey, I'm an expert on the topic of finance, but I'm a noob on the on the uh, um, uh, uh, on the topic of um, yeah um, uh, 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 politics, for example," then a, a certain thing that's in the political uh, in the uh, sorry in the financial section of the newspaper could be specific for this person, very into depth. But when this person goes to the political section, you could just say, okay, we just made it significantly easier and we only, you know, we, so we simplified it and that's all happening real time. And that is something that is, I think, extremely, extremely uh, exciting. Can you, are there, are there, so besides the, um, uh, uh, the example of, of Airbnb, are there other examples that come to mind that you can think of yeah, well, it, for use uh, cases?
1: Yeah, I think well i love what you just said i that idea of the education personalization like last night i was playing with the uh typescript client and i'm you know i i don't even know the difference between like npm and yarn so it's like you know i have this particular kind of knowledge but i'm missing this plug and you have all this data about me imagine you know having just like every medium article i've written maybe every slack message all this thing to kind of build up this embedding of my knowledge and then pass it in and customize it. I love that angle to how you present things. But, um, yeah, so I guess diving into another example, I, my, yeah, to stay on the Airbnb. One more thing. I just, I just love this idea of like a per of the personalized travel experience and just how, you know, like when I travel, I generally travel with my dog. And so like I need to plan my trip to New York accordingly. And the things I want to do, say if I'm staying a weekend are going to be different. Uh, so yeah, I think if we could even go into this the sci-fi almost, and you shared this uh, a tweet this morning about something that is this generate TV shows personalized to you. How are you thinking about this?
0: Yeah, so I uh, like so actually, there was actually just before we uh, recorded this podcast, I, I was um, discussing, it. and maybe we can just cut a little piece of that video in the uh, uh, in right now. So what we just seen in this in this in this video is that um, uh, uh, a video was rendered uh, based on just 100% coming from these generative models and everything we're talking about right now, the use cases are based on text. Um, so I had the Airbnb example is very practical. that it's something people can start, you know, using today. Mm-hmm. But I think where this will grow into is like the lo- we see a lot of models evolve, not only for text, but also uh, multimodal models and, and images and those kind of things. So um, what we're seeing here is this, and this is also why I'm so excited to work on affected database, oh, yeah. right? So where we store information, for example, about a movie, and interest about people, um, uh, what you know, uh, how people like to, to to see movies and those kind of things. So now you can say, okay, render this part for me as if it's well as we've seen a Wes Anderson movie, or render this part is like it's part of the Matrix. Like we said with the news articles, you can say like, hey, if you are very much into um, I don't know, costume dramas that you can say, like, OK, just make this l- longer or really go more into depth on the on the um, uh, in the storyline. Or if you if you hate costume dramas, mm-hmm. like just just make this a short mm-hmm. thing. Right. And the uh, if that's in a movie. So um, the point that I'm trying to make is like with all but everything that's happening right now with how e- the technology is evolving. I I would not be surprised that in um, I don't know a few years from now we will watch the first uh, uh, um, a movie or series or whatever, and it might start with just five minutes or just ten minutes, mm-hmm. where we're watching something that is completely generated um, and that the real-time generation is good enough, or that it can just pre-process something for somebody like in half an hour. And that, the, you know, that Netflix says like, okay, your your next episode is ready, <laughs> right? We pre process yeah. it for you. I would be absolutely, I I, I I could see this happening and think about like, um, uh, if you think about uh, also things like AutoCAD and those kind of things where it, where it generates drawings, where it helps you with those kind of things. You could feed it information about, like, if you have a certain building, about like the history of the country, about the or the city that you're building in, maybe the type of soil you're building on, and it just takes all that information in. So yes, uh, uh, um, uh, text is the first iteration over this, but with everything that's happening, and I think this 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 video is a nice example of that. It's just this is just going to be a matter of time um and and it's amazing that of course besides the machine learning models that in that core infrastructure um uh um uh, you know database like we 8 plays a role in that so that's that's something i'm super excited about so so yeah so that that's how i that's how i look at it yeah i love how you're telling the story of kind of the
1: evolution of search and i I think for our listeners it like can't be emphasized enough sort of how novel this image search is this multimodal search because I think kind of in this context with text search you had you know you had these things where you had keyword matching and you have an inverted index and you had all these tools built around that Uh, you had symbolic features like you had the page rank algorithm for google where you use hyperlinks to get features about web pages and kind of search with that but this kind of way of representing images videos audios or you know the cad drawings that bob's explaining with you know when you have 3d structures of building designs like being able to put these all in vectors and then unify all of this kind of data from different modalities into one kind of space where you can put an image to query for a song potentially or like all these kind of things and. Yes, the the AI movie thing—it's so interesting to me. I've I've been listening to a lot of AI uh, hip hop music lately. <laughs> no, I, I don't think we can play this if we if we cut and then play that. I think <laughs> I think we'll be in trouble. <laughs> I think for our next podcast, we'll need a
0: lawyer with the
1: <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So it's like uh, let let's keep it up. Yeah. No, but people people can imagine. <laughs> people can hallucinate uh, what he, what that might yeah. be like. Yeah. So no, but it's like it's funny. It's like actually a um uh, there's a um not not to go too far off topic, but it is related. There's a um there's an an author that I'm that I'm a, a big fan of. Um, uh, his name is Bruce Sterling, and um I believe he calls himself a. Uh, a fictional de- fictional design writer or something like that that is based on a concept that is called speculative design so it's like a, a big problem that we have with thinking about these concepts of where are things going is that um as uh, uh, the late clay christensen always uh, um said so now, uh, he's the 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 harvard professor clay christensen said like um the future is beautiful it just has one problem it has no data so it's like we, we can't predict anything, right, based because on the future. So what speculative design does is that it's a, um, it's a method, it's a methodology to uh, try to determine potential futures. And um, one of the things that Bruce Sterling says is that often you see these innovations, these technical innovations and the impact that they have first in music. So, um, uh, the hip hop example that you gave is a, is a good example, right? So it's, um, uh, um, uh, there's a lot of abstraction in music. So, I mean, I, I know of people using, uh, you know, generative AI in music for a long time already. And it, of course it was way more, the capabilities were very, way simpler. So it was very abstract music, but you could already start to see where this was going mm-hmm. and very early on. So, um he makes a beautiful argument that he says like, Hey, if you want to know what's happening, what technology is causing, just look at music first, because if it's changing in the music industry, then it will probably trickle into other uh, industries or, um, uh, uh, in this case art forms early on as well. So it's a, it's actually, it's an interesting, uh, example. We should, I'll, I'll, we should make sure to link to these articles, uh, in the, uh, yeah. in the podcast as well. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, in the description of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. The whole, the speculative design, all that
1: kind of, uh, like mental models of thinking that all that is so interesting and I think it I think even just one more thing on the music is it it really um really explains the vector database kind of part like let's imagine we have these brain computer interfaces that know so much yeah. about the kind of music that I like compared to the kind of music that Bob likes and these kind of like brain signals they'll be you can represent them with vectors with models that, that you know to vectors to to audio and sync it all up and yeah it's a pretty exciting future and um yeah, maybe maybe one more thing is you mentioned speculative design theory, and I always find it personally very interesting. Like learning these things from you, you taught me uh, like the jobs to be done framework, and the most recent one you taught me in the context of this uh, generative feedback loops project has been aggregation theory. Can you explain what that's about?
0: Yeah, so so aggregation theory is a is a concept from a um, a guy named Ben Thompson, and he has this um, this nice um, a blog which is um uh, uh, it's called Stratechery, So not strategy, but tech, and uh, that's his uh, that's that's basically that's his job. And he just tries to capture what's happening in um, or the impact that 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 the tech industry is having on the world, basically, right, especially from a business perspective. And of course, in my role at the company at WeV8, I'm very interested in this. Right. So what we're talking about today is super interesting and that is super um, uh, exciting. Uh, however we um it, it's important that we you know keep in mind like how do how, how does this add value into people's lives and then out of that comes like how people use it and those kind of things and one of the things that he describes in this um in this framework is that before it's it's based on the internet So, um, and the role of that distribution channels have um, and the control that they have. So, for example, think about a traditional newspaper. The distribution was very important because to get a newspaper, it needed to be distributed. So, there was a whole role for the distribution channel. Um, So, the first iteration of that was like because the distribution channel was gone, because it was just on the internet, there were like other outlets and other ways to get information to people. And that is what aggregation theory describes and what the impact on this on business. But I believe that what we now see with these um, these generative search case, um, cases is that we're just going into like a next step into this, right? So they were basically saying like it now it's becoming, for lack of a better term, it's becoming hyper personalized. It's like, it. I mean, I can I can currently cannot think of a way to make it more personalized than this because it, we have if you have the right information. So the example that you gave that you like to travel with your dog. That is if you then can say, hey I need to go to New York and we know what kind of apartments you like, what kind of how much money you like to spend that you travel with your dog that is that is so hyper personalized that it's like a, a based on that first observation of in in, in uh, aggregation theory how how um, uh, basically um, um, uh, the, the, the internet shook up these distribution channels. We have like this next generation where we're basically saying like, we're now basically shooking up these, 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 these databases mm-hmm. or these outlets mm-hmm. where, uh, where we have just this generic content for everybody that we're going to say, no, 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 no. Now the next iteration is like hyper personalize this. So uh, I'm, I am uh, to use your terminology beyond excitement about that.
1: <laughs> well, I'm super
0: excited. <laughs> but um... Exactly. I, I have, I have one more question for you as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see the um how how are you observing so the the first big thing that we saw where the opportunity for like the feedback loops and those kind of things had that it became um a, an, an area of interest for us and and bear in mind for those listening the it is an area of interest for us because we try to figure out how can the effective database we play a role in this um, I think the first thing that we saw was the chat gpt plugins right or or am i am i missing something there i'm just curious what your thoughts are on that you know how that's evolving and and what you're seeing there yeah that that would be really great to talk about how this impacts with chat gpt and that
1: generally the kind of idea of you know the interfaces the chat interfaces and when you save the conversation history and then using that history because you know every conversation you have it comes back and i mean I, I Let me ask you this question: How many conversations do you think you've had with ChatGPT so far? I, I would say, at, for me, it's been at least, you know, at least five hundred so far, and it's just like been what, like you know, four months old, something like that. So it's like,
0: yeah, it's so I'm. So this is a great question, and I have to I have to say not only if I if you don't mind me making the um uh uh the the, the question a little bit broader, I'm. I'm I'm willing to go on record to admit that uh, I'm still. That my brain is still processing the fact that I'm using natural language to get something from a data store. So regardless if it's if it's ChatGPT that I ask a question. So the other day I wanted to have something sorted, uh, but I, I then I had to go through information and I was like, you know, let's throw that into ChatGPT and see how it searches through it. Um, uh, um, uh, uh, or the other day, I had something where there was something stored in weave8 and that I used a very uh, abstract uh, uh, a query to get the information out, and it gave me actually what I needed. And I'm still, I, my mind is still blown. It's like it's like still in the in in state of being blown, right? It's like still uh, happening. So um, I'm starting to have more and more interactions. Uh, uh uh also with with chat gpt but i think what's more important here is just that change in the in the uh in the world that we're just going to a natural language way of interacting with our systems that is for me just i'm still i'm still I don't know, i'm still parsing that basically
1: yeah yeah <laughs> I, I am obsessed with this kind of text to SQL research, and then thinking about how that translates to wev and yeah, yeah, from like the, and I give a quick shout out to Jerry Lou at Llama index, because he's done some awesome content on this kind of stuff. But let me like th- this idea that I, when I interact with the database, I just say, uh, you know, show me an example of Reftivec that you searches through e-commerce images, and then the database, it, like, then it can parse out the query and know what filters to add to the database. Because I, I love this kind of filtered vector search thing and I it's same like uh, when we had uh, Sam bean on from U.com and he described the kind of the idea of like a vertically integrated search engine if you've seen like perplexity AI you've seen how you can uh, you know do you want to search through reddit do you want to search through Twitter Wikipedia so so then you have this filter you know where equals Wikipedia and and it's so exciting because in terms of like the technical innovation behind we and vector databases there's so much exciting stuff with like you know modifying HSW and routing these things to have the filtered connectivity. So yeah, that natural language interaction where you just ask a query and then it parses it. All that is so interesting. But um, yeah, and so, so pivoting topics a bit coming back to the, um, the generative feedback loop thing. I think um, for me, the first time I started actually using this in my life for my work is I was, you know, I take these podcasts and I transcribe them with whisper. Like
0: yeah, kick yeah. off
1: a summarization of them, and so then I save this summarization of the podcast. So now, so, so mm. to me, that's like that was the first thing when I when I just started like using it for my actual like productivity in my job. So yeah, let me ask you maybe like um, what what do you think like uh, how how are you using kind of generative feedback loops?
0: Yeah, so one of so there are two two answers to the um, uh, to the. Well, there are probably multiple answers. Oh, let me think. That's a great question. So uh, I think on the most holistic level. So the first one is um, what you've shown with the Airbnb example to generate data that is not in the original data set. So where we always have been inferring insights that we needed to have a human in the loop to infer some insight from a data set um that we don't have to that we don't have to do that anymore that we can automate that away that is something that i i'm i'm thinking about um uh, uh, we're talking here about these um, uh, um uh, like uh, the, the, these these descriptions for for airbnb but this this can be anything right this can be be houses that's that's for sale online it can be movie reviews it can be and then we're just talking about text right and so that it can be anything um uh, it can be cyber security threats right so that if we have learned something in the past from complex cyber security threats we can store that uh, in the database feed that into the model combined in the prompt it's like what do you think of x y and z and then it gives us something and we store it back and now we can search through it no et cetera et cetera so um, that is that is the first one the second one goes back to, to what was said earlier that's that hyper uh, uh, personalization. So we could basically say like, hey, uh, if we know that um, uh, Connor is going to New York uh, with his dog and he's going to stay near Central Park, we can already start to generate content for you know uh, maybe I don't know what you do with a dog, but take it to a dog salon <laughs> or something. I don't I, I don't know what you do with a dog, but it's like that you can say, hey, if that's something of, out of interest, you can go there, and if you say yes, that's out of interest, then we can feedback with the back in that you were actually interested in that. So in the future, then if you go somewhere else, if you go to LA with your dog, then we know like no et cetera. Et cetera. So I would on the on the on the highest level I would say um, uh, a combination of um, um, head uh, to so generating insights from data that that normally humans needed to infer from the data. And secondly, just that hyper-personalization. Do, in your opinion, did I miss something or do you think, do you also see something? No,
1: yeah, I I think that hyper-personalization, I mean, just like thinking about like business executives like you, like I can imagine like, you know, an LLM is like a virtual assistant for your scheduling. Yeah, and, and, you know, the traveling thing, just, you know, keeping you organized by knowing about the particular things you like and all that is so interesting. yeah, it really brings me to kind of the the headliner that I was really excited to at the end of the pot because I know, I wanted to hopefully we kept the concrete enough in this beginning of well, I, and it's as crazy as it is, this actually is pretty concrete. It's not something that's just purely hypothetical, but um
0: so no, 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 no. Yeah. from
1: chat GBT, which I think captured everyone's imagination. It was like, a, whoa, what is this? Now we have auto GPT, which is another like, Oh my, what is this Dude, This is so much potential. So auto GPT with WeVA, you know, it comes up with a plan to perform a task. It breaks it down into steps and it saves the intermediate steps back to the database. It has this, you know, generative feedback. It, you know, it could maybe be prompted to know that it can save its, its intermediate generations. What do you think auto GPT with WeVA? Where is this taking us?
0: Yeah, it, so exactly um, uh, uh, exactly as we, as uh, I think, as we mentioned, right? So what you're basically doing is that you're saying um, the data, the information that we're rendering or pre-storing that information, because there is a weave integration in all uh, GPT, but that always starts empty. So it starts to do its research and then stores that and vectorizes it, etc. Well, what if you would say hey we have a bunch we have data we're going to store that in uh, in Weave8 and then you use auto gpt to find stuff just imagine what that means and bear in mind i was like to say 89 percent of data is behind closed doors so um uh, let me give you let me give you an example i um uh, uh i spoke once to a lawyer and um this lawyer said you know what the most used and then i don't mean uh, from a database perspective, but from a consumer perspective, what the most used tool is that lawyers use to find stuff when they're writing, you know, documents or whatever. You, you know what the most used tool is? Google search. So, but the thing is, the power is that there's the human in the loop. That this the human lawyer looks at the documents that they have internally, so the Word documents, the PDFs, whatever they have for whatever they're working on. So they have that context in their head and then they use public Google or something to find something and then adjust the documents accordingly to what they found. Mm -hmm. So what you're basically saying is if we take these documents and we store them in WeV8, then something like AutoGPT can can basically just create those feedback loops Mm -hmm. based on that information. Hey, I'm looking at this part of the legal document, but I need to know X, Y, and Z. Let's find that online. we found something, vectorize it, store it back into WiV8. So long story short so the, the, that was the long answer. <laughs> the short answer is that um, with these kind of systems that what AutoGPT is and, and what it's going towards, that we're basically going to say, hey if we pre-fill WiV8 with information about something that cannot be uh, uh, accessed to the public internet then the gpt starts to um uh, function as a knowledge worker in which the database plays a tremendously important role because that's where the information is sits and is vectorized so that's how i see that
1: yeah it's amazing i remember when uh you know when the uh chat api or the gp the, the da vinci 3 api was when we were playing around with it initially and um we were exploring the kind of question decomposition where you have a question that has two, did Thomas Edison use a laptop? And then you need to break that into, okay, when did Thomas Edison live? When were laptops invented? And that kind of like, uh, you know, that kind of multi-hop question answer, multi-hop is kind of the academic term for that kind of idea. So I remember when we were exploring that, you showed me this idea, and I have to always give you credit for this, because it was such like a whoa to me that you were, you, were, you were prompting it to populate a JSON dictionary with if it wanted to ask another question what were the results of the intermediate question and i think that's the biggest idea in this kind of uh large language models that use tools is that they can they write it in the api compatible way they can output the json they can see what you want to see it and yeah so it's it's so interesting because like if it knows how to write the data to alleviate all this kind of stuff
0: Exactly, exactly. And that is something I, I am very curious six months from now, if we would revisit this conversation where we are in uh, um, uh, and the role that these these generative feedback loops play, it's it's going to be exciting, because we already see it, but we're now basically going to support it extra from the perspective of the database. So that's just that's, that's something I'm, I'm super excited about. So um, I think I think we're there, don't you think? Because I think it's for everybody listening, they need to check out your blog post and like the, 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 the GitHub repo to start playing around with this because this is not fiction. This is just people can do it right now. And we, um, I believe the Airbnb data set will be available as well so that people can just play around with it. Is that in Python and TypeScript, I believe? Am I, am I correct? Yeah, Python and TypeScript. TypeScript was a new thing for me to learn, but it, it's really
1: cool. Uh, yeah, like um, uh, uh, yeah, having to hover over it and see the types. It can definitely help you uh navigate a new javascript library yeah
0: fantastic fantastic well thanks so much uh connor for letting me interview you i hope how did i do did i did i do a decent job yeah awesome job. you gotta ask everyone to like and (laughs) (laughs) save thanks so much
1: for watching please (laughs) like and subscribe (laughs) (laughs) oh shit i forgot (laughs) thanks guys Bye. bye